The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform and promises to be the next frontier for human experiences on the internet. Into the Metaverse covers companies, technologies, and trends that are bringing these promises to life. Join creator and host Jonathan Ross Friedman, founder and CEO of SuperSocial, as he interviews the brilliant minds that are building, shaping, and investing in the Metaverse. Welcome to Into the Metaverse. I'm Jan, and joining me today is Jonathan Pan, head of product at store number eight, the incubation arm of Walmart. Prior to store number eight, John was the head of strategic planning and operations at Facebook Games. Before that, he was at Amazon, where he began as the head of community and esports, and he then became the studio head of Kids Original Content and created the original content team at Amazon Kids. John, delighted to welcome you on Into the Metaverse. Thanks, John, and uh, it's 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 great to be here. Especially, I remember I listened to one of your first episodes when it was when you were doing it with somebody else. I think at Bloomberg. So. Uh, I know how hard it is to just keep any content going for, for so long. So kudos to that. Yeah, you're going to be episode 57. So it's, it's so fun to be doing so many episodes and great, brilliant minds who are working in the space. Uh, and so thanks for taking the time and really excited about the conversation. So, you know, John, we've been very fortunate on this podcast to speak to many brilliant minds that help build kind of a consensus around this whole thing called Metaverse. So jumping right into, right into my fir- favorite first question to you, as John, what is the metaverse? How do you define it? That's really a good question. And uh, I'll, I'll talk about how I define it and then just the context of why I do it that way. So for me, metaverse is, is simply virtual worlds, virtual items, and avatars. I... I've read all the books, you know, I've read Snow Crash. I, I was at Meta when they made the change from Facebook to Meta. Um, in the gaming industry, everybody talked about that name change. Uh, I read all the tweets, you know, by Quim Sweetie about what he thinks about the metaverse. And I think for me, it's about what is here today that we can work on and improve upon and build upon versus what might be coming in X years. So uh, simply put, I think, what I call the practical metaverse is, uh, you know, virtual items, virtual worlds, and, and and avatars. And I think since I've been using those terms, um, it's been easier to talk about those topics within companies, with partners, and even with my gaming colleagues. Because when they think about it that way, they're like, oh, yes, you know, virtual items. And they talk about monetization and, you know... Like kind of like, you know, mobile game PMs who specialize in the type of stuff and, and virtual worlds, then you get into the game engines. So it becomes a lot more tangible to talk about versus the theoretical metaverse, which gets bundled up with a lot of baggage, like, you know, meta, Mark Zuckerberg, AR, VR. Uh, so, so that's my that, definition. It's such a great um, distinction, I think, between practical metaverse and theoretical metaverse. And you know, I think a lot of people have been bogged down by the terminology around the metaverse. And people like Matthew Ball wrote a book about what is the metaverse and why will it change everything. And you can see in the book how many components are need to come together anywhere from not just the application layer, by the computational, the computing part, right? Like the internet needs to be super fast. No one will want to suffer, quote unquote, from latency when the world on the internet is fully interoperable, like a video game in 3D. 
but you realize also how long this theoretical metaverse, if at all, could possibly be built. And it kind of takes away from the key things that are already happening today, which, as you mentioned, people today play games. They socialize in 3D world. They purchase virtual goods. They express themselves as avatars. That is already happening. I like to joke and say, when you talk to a 12-year-old girl, you don't need to explain her what the metaverse is. She already lives in it for the past decade of her life, right? And, and so having said that, there is a lot of confusion also about metaverse and what's the difference between different platforms and what's the difference with other technologies. So as a follow-up question for you, how do other emerging technologies like blockchain, generative AI, digital twins, how do they all fit in your mind or contribute to this evolution of what a metaverse could be? That's a good point. Um, I, yeah, the, this terminal, terminology has been a big wave over the last three or four years, I'd say, um, because I, I personally fell into, personally and then professionally into the, uh, the, the NFT Web3 craze. So I would actually see them as the, the three components, I'll call it like Web3, Metaverse, and, and AI as just three totally separate things that have some overlap between all three, depending on what the builder wants to do. You know, if you want to build a, a Metaverse experience and you want to leverage AI, you could do that. If you want to uh, build something Web3 related, you could choose to do that as part of the Metaverse. There's lots of overlap between the three. But simply put, I think uh, Web3 for me is anything decentralized. And I think NFTs are kind of like the, well, previously we call it the iPhone moment of Web3, just like people are calling generative AI, like the iPhone moment of, of AI. Um, but I would also put generative AI under just the boring traditional banner of machine learning too. So especially when you see three things happen, so fast in a row, metaverse, web three, and then AI. And then you see what happens afterwards a year or two and how little or a lot of certain things talked about. It makes you really, um, you know, it makes you really question the, the definition a lot, even though I know some people get hung up on it. It is important to define it for yourself. And going back to Matt Ball, I think he's a great writer. I met him many years ago. We used to write like esports articles together. And, and actually a lot of his predictions in esports came out correct. I think he's a good thinker, great thinker. And in his book, he actually wrote, he said, each company should have their own definition of the metaverse. But I don't know how many people really read that specific to get to what he was saying, because the headline is he did propose his definition of the metaverse, but he also said every company should have their own. Yeah, for sure. And and definitely kudos to Matthew for writing a, a very eloquent, well-written book, well-researched as a sort of a encyclopedic view both with history and the future, about what the metaverse could become. I do think that when we talk about other technologies, John, uh, especially AI, but not just, essentially, also the decentralized technologies, I think what strikes my attention is all of these technologies complement one another, right? Because at the end of the day, when we look at an imaginative virtual world or an imaginative network of virtual worlds that are interconnected and interoperable in the future, we're essentially talking about a place that will have a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of content and a lot, a lot, a lot of digital assets that users would want to own. And I think AI is going to really propel human ingenuity, in my mind, to a whole new level, accelerating and expanding the type of content and the breadth of content we can create. And then Web3 
can provide a foundation, technological foundation for user-owned virtual worlds where we can actually own our assets and carry them with us everywhere we go, not necessarily for monetary gain, just so we can truly own our digital assets, whatever that may be, without necessarily being locked into a certain platform. And so I think all of these technologies, in my mind, complement one another to a bigger picture, which could be a, a dream metaverse, so to speak, and in a way that also allow many, many, many people to to prosper. Um, I want to switch gears and double click on what you wrote, because you wrote a great piece, which I highly recommend the listeners to go and read, The Practical Metaverse, which I thought is very comprehensive and provide quite a depth overview of everything that is going on today, not theoretically in the future, but going on today. So I'd love if you can take a few minutes and just share with our listeners, what are some of the key insights that you drew from writing the piece? Yeah. Um, well, the first key insight is essentially, in my opinion, Roblox is really leading in what I call the practical metaverse. Using the uh, using the framework you just said about how Web3, generative AI, and metaverse complementary, you know, when you think about limited items in, in Roblox, it's not on the blockchain, but philosophically, you could really compare it to NFT. So they're doing things without calling it NFT because that word is charged, but it's interesting. They took uh, an idea from that domain, and, and theoretically, they could extend it to an actual blockchain in the future if they choose to do so. Second, on the generative AI front, I, I know every company has had a couple blog posts and, and Roblox had a blog post about this too. Uh, but I do think that they, uh, according to their blog post, they're making efforts on there so that their creators can uh, create virtual worlds and items through generative AI. So basically a lot of that means less direct scripting themselves. And I think that's fascinating. So that's my first key takeaway. The second takeaway is something I adopted from a different um, podcast. And uh, the, I think it's called the GameCraft Podcast. And uh, first of all, that's just a great series to, to go through the history of, of, of games from, from an investor in a VC. But one framework that helped me think about this whole process is the Playground and the Sage. Because there really is this flood wheel of games that allow players to essentially do whatever they want. So that's the playground part. And then the stage is people want to watch these players make things up, do whatever they want, or do like role playing. And also the, the people who are streaming or creating content, they can monetize that uh, money as well. And it, it was really the framework because I spent a couple of years in my life focused on just streamers and creators from, from Twitch and then also from YouTube. And also when I was working at Facebook, trying to see how Facebook streaming fits against these two kind of like the two titans of the, of the, of the uh, industry, whether it's bot content, video demand or, or live streaming. And then when you look at what's happening in streaming, what's happening in just like total Mal, the, the games that keep popping up are things like Minecraft, Roblox, right? Minecraft, first game to hit a trillion views. And once you start diving into the Minecraft ecosystem, um, it's just crazy. Like there really hasn't been a game that has operated this long that keeps growing in player base and age range, which I think that's kind of what Roblox is going with, with their now, now they have like 17 plus experiences too. So that's my, my second big takeaway, which is a, a phrase I, I got from another podcast, which is the, the playground and the stage. So this helps explain why these games are so popular 
and basically get free user acquisition through through their content. And a lot of it is kind of like luck and timing because the games in the past without Twitch, without YouTube, they didn't get the benefit from that channel. But the Minecrafts, the League of Legends, they're just like Minecraft is great for YouTube. League of Legends is great for uh, Twitch. And people keep trying to top, topple them, but they're always just number one and number two on a month and a year basis for the last like 10 years. So a lot of things change, but a lot of things remain the same. So those are my top two takeaways. You know, we talked prior to the recording about the fact that we both, in a different way, kind of looked at Roblox very early on, right? Three plus years ago. You know, for me personally, I've been in the category of young people and technology since 2013 when I started my first company, Kano, which was a computer company where anyone can build and code their own computer. That showed me in 2012, Minecraft exploding, Roblox picking up in 2015, and so on and so forth. So when I started Super Social, which is, you know, and as, as folks know, a premier developer and publisher of virtual worlds currently focused on Roblox, when we started the company, it was kind of very natural evolution for me because of what I've seen Roblox doing for the past five to seven years. What drew you and what have you, where have you been in your career path as you've identified as well early 2020 that something really, really interesting is going with Roblox? And what did it mean for you with regards to the intersection of social media, video games, and the way young people are not only expressing themselves, but also starting to create at large scale? Yeah, that's a great question. I think uh, I, like many people who started off in AAA, primarily PC game studios, uh, I, I started my career off at Riot Games. A lot of us heard about Minecraft and, and Roblox, but I think generally speaking, you know, maybe 50, more than 50% of the people just dismiss those games as like, oh, it's just like a you know, casual game kids play. Just like how a lot of like PC developers dismiss you know, ca hyper-casual mobile game developers or, or games like that. So I think that was the wrong attitude, but that's the attitude I had. Because I was also working on New World, Breakaway, kind of like AAA titles, PC games that uh, Amazon Games was making. But um, I had this opportunity to join another team called Amazon Kids, who created uh, a subscription service, it's like Netflix, for kids aged 3 to 12. As part of the interview process, I learned a lot about uh, just how big this market and how exciting it was. About, you know, kid-focused influencers, obviously, the Minecrafts, the Roloxes of the world. And once again, these names keep popping up now, uh, but now I have to actually work with these partners, understand these partners, something that I didn't do before uh, in my career. And once I started digging deeper into this space, I realized that this demographic of under 13 is essentially what a lot of media companies and gaming companies want, right? Because the tastemakers in entertainment, media games are usually like teenagers or, or sometimes even younger. It's not like a 50-year-old man is deciding what the coolest games are, right? It's kind of what's spreading like wildfire in, in, in schools, in, in group chats with teenagers. And when uh, COVID happened, um, obviously the services and games like Roblox, uh, like Minecraft, and even like Amazon Kids, it just absolutely exploded um, in usage. And then it was even a more interesting thought, which is... You know, for a lot of people who work in games, they always say, oh, okay, I create fun. Like, does that really help the world or not, right? Um, or compared to someone like a you know, police officer, firefighter, like a teacher, someone's working on cancer research. 
Uh, but at that moment of time, at least for our team, we actually felt uh, a special mission because kids weren't even able to go to school. So how can we make our product um, and how do we procure content and make content that's both educational and entertaining? And then, what the, and then one of the tenants we learned was it has to be fun first. Fun first, and then uh, uh, you can add learning and whatnot to the tail end of that. That's why I'm really excited about Minecraft and Roblox because they've already demonstrated that it's fun. Just kids love it over generations now or generations of kids. So, you know, what else can we do with those products? You know, can we make it more uh, educational as well? And you see different examples of that, different schools, universities, like elementary schools using those games as like graduation ceremonies during COVID. But I think you'll see an evolution of what more that, you know, that could be done there. So that's when I first discovered this whole kind of universe. And now Roblox publicly traded company and, you know, all these brands are working in Roblox, Minecraft, Fortnite, et cetera. So since Roblox became a publicly traded company, which happened in March, 2021, there has been a lot going on in the category of virtual right. world and virtual world platforms. And I have to say that while I was very bullish initially on Minecraft as a platform, I think ultimately Microsoft decided to take it in a very different direction. Actually, they didn't decide to take it in a very, very different direction. They decided to go in exactly the same direction, which is kind of protecting the golden goose. It's yep, a great yep. game. There is some modding and community, but it definitely walked away or missed on an opportunity to become a platform for creators, developers, brands in a way that Roblox has organically became over the yep. last several years. Also, Roblox have scaled enormously. So, but if we look at the next, let's not exaggerate, the next two to three years, right? We've got Minecraft, we've got Roblox, we've got Fortnite that now launched Fortnite Creative with UEFN. How do you view the landscape from the standpoint of both creators and the users? Meaning, what do you think is going to be still true over the next two to three years about Minecraft, Roblox, Fortnite, who collectively are really the largest, um, the largest games slash platforms in this category? It's a very interesting question. Well, first of all, yeah, I think Roblox is leading if we consider those three games in the same category uh leading in the sense of having the attention from brands and and companies um i think the question is will users ever migrate from different ecosystems and who will uh who plays multiple versions of these games i don't have any data on that my i suspect that what will happen is uh Another way you could view this as these companies leveraging UGC to keep their existing user bases happy and having awesome brands come in, having different, having these funds to, 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 to fund developers to create new experiences is less about innovation, is more about just like a strategy, a business strategy. And from that business strategy, they may, there may emerge more interesting gameplay and, and, and games and whatnot. So I think just two, three years, we're going to see Roblox still being number one. I think Fortnite is obviously uh, battling to be, uh, yeah, to, to, to be strong in that sector as well. And then Minecraft, I don't think they've lost the opportunity. I think they can enter anytime they want. It's just, I don't know if they will choose to do it as much as Roblox and, and, and Fortnite. But one thing, 
that also matters about this is around the tooling because uh, like UEFN, Roblox Studio, and then um, I forget the name of the the, the Minecraft um, kind of like a developer tool. I just as a person who've actually tried all three, not make a full experience, but just really try to understand it a bit, like two, three hours in each tool. Roblox Studio does seem to be more uh, easier to use, a lot more pre-made materials. So my goal was to hate make an orange Jeep in every quote unquote metaverse platform. And it was it, it was quite easy to make in Roblox Studio. Um, easy to make in all platforms, but I think Roblox has the edge right now. So I think in two, three years, we'll still see Roblox in the lead. Um, and I think it's not necessarily even like a competition because, uh, you know, it's not a competition to see who has the most brands, right? Because there are players who play branded experiences, but there are players who just want to play unbranded experiences and like learn the best games on those platforms. So I think, you know, we'll see a lot of the same. Maybe if there's a business decision to switch from Minecraft, Minecraft is a lot more similar to Roblox. So that might fragment um, the attention a bit. But I see Fortnite and Roblox quite different. Like Fortnite's going to have an older audience. So if anything, Roblox is trying to catch up on the older audience, um, you know, with their 17 plus experiences. So I see this really interesting sort of endeavor between Fortnite and Roblox, right? You have... Roblox's engine is ever more expansive and capable. Today, you can create really photorealistic game worlds on Roblox. Put aside performance and how it will perform on all devices and so on and so forth. But you can do that. You can build a photorealistic first-person shooter or RPG on Roblox. It's not the Unreal Editor. It's not the Unreal Engine. But you can create really comp really compelling things. And it will only get better. And they're going to keep chasing that quality and fidelity. On the other hand, you have the cinematic quality of graphics and fidelity of the Fortnite because of the Unreal Engine, but they have a much more contained age group, right? 90% of users, 18 to 25 men, while Roblox, multi-generation, multi-gender, right? You have everything from everywhere in the world on the Roblox platform. People find it quite shocking when I tell them that 75% of the Roblox daily users come from outside North America. I actually find it fascinating that there is such a global audience on Roblox. I'm sure there's a global audience on Fortnite as well, uh, but we don't have specific data as we do on the Roblox platform. So Fortnite, on the other hand, are trying to create with Fortnite Creative a platform that will basically compete with Roblox on the audience. But here is the tricky bit for all companies who want to build platforms and why Roblox is definitely ahead of the curve at the moment. The incredibly passionate, capable, cult-like developer ecosystem which is very difficult to copy, very difficult to mimic, very difficult to just build from scratch. It just takes time. And I think Fortnite, aside of having the great baseline of Fortnite as a game, for Fortnite Creative to really compete with Roblox's um, hegemony over the next few years, they need ever more expansive and established developer tools that makes it fun and simple to create, build, launch, operate live games, monetize. Now, I'm sure all of those things are going to happen in the future, but I do think that Fortnite Creative, from a consistent standpoint of a platform, is behind Roblox by at least a few years. And I'm very curious to see if and when and how they catch up to the Roblox platform. And the last thing I'm going to say is, while these platforms are the catalyst of innovation and are definitely the category leaders at the moment, especially Roblox, there are these other waves that we talked about earlier, generative AI, 
decentralized technology and, and, and Web3 that are still very much in the sidelines coming in, I suspect that these companies will need to adopt, embrace elements, if not all of the philosophies around generative AI. We've already seen Roblox announcing generative AI integration, but most likely we're going to see platforms that are built natively on top of these technologies becoming bigger and more important. TBD, if they can compete one-to-one with Fortnite and Roblox, but I think that's what I anticipate will happen in a slightly longer time frame, three, maybe three to five, five to seven, 10 years, and seeing how new entrants completely can come into the equation when you talk about these massive, you know, quote unquote, user generated or creator platform at large. What's your POV? That is a great point. I mean, um, Primarily, I'm just a learner on the generative AI side. I think you really need to have a like foundation in machine learning, and I'm just trying to catch up. But what I do see is loosely all the investments being made in generative AI today, and also primarily in the gaming space, which is a lot of folks trying to enable like UGC content or make make their own platforms. So. Uh, I think you're spot on. There's so much investment. We don't know what's going to come out, what's going to win. But I, I envision a, a new platform that emerges where people can create their own virtual worlds, virtual items, and they have a user base. Kind of a little bit of what's happening with Kick. I don't know if you've been uh, monitoring the Kick situation. They've really been... Um, uh, can you explain quickly to the audience what is Kick? Yeah. Just so for Kik, those who don't know. Kick is a live streaming platform. And I think there's some um, some concerns that they're owned by like a, a, a betting site, uh, which is true. Uh, but what's innovating is Kick is really trying to. Uh, they don't really necessarily have a new technology. They're just taking a new. Um, I think Twitch, who I really respect as a company, and I just uh, I love watching Twitch. I think the way they treated their streamers and creators hasn't always been great, and definitely not recently. So Kick comes in and says, and obviously they've got a couple of hundred million dollar deals, but besides that, they are really um, promoting creators there. Like they will come, their staff will come into your stream and they will say, wow, you did a great stream today. You did a good job. They would try to put you on the front page. Very small things. So taking that analogy, even though generative AI is new technology, but assuming a generative AI startup can you know, make new technology and, and Roblox, they have the capital and the resources to integrate generative AI. I do see it's kind of like this. Um, you made this comment earlier about like cult-like developers. So it's it's a little bit cult-like, and also there's like a secret sauce for community too that I think developers in Roblox primarily have. Like you don't just build something and launch it, right? You have to like work with your community. So I think if Roblox loses uh, their, because I think they're very community focused at the moment to developers and to players. But it's it's a human thing. It's an ongoing thing. It's not that's not going to be solved by AI. It takes attention. So the second they drop the ball on that, the next platform will start to emerge and I think take some of the user base and developers and creators from from Roblox, Fortnite, Minecraft, whatever. Um. So I agree with you. Like something's going to happen. We don't know what, but it might be this kick like scenario where they're really attacked in Twitch, and we'll see if that works or not. But it's it's making noise at the moment. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm thinking about it from a standpoint of the depth and the length of time and the investment required to build innovation at scale. And when we talk about metaverse virtual worlds, 
these are really complex technologies to enable real-time 3D immersive interaction and communication. And I think AI, in my mind, is going to be a vehicle to accelerate creation and creativity and extending human ingenuity versus, I think, AI necessarily being at the backbone of a whole new platform that competes against Roblox. Like, let's put it this way. I would put, I would bet more on Roblox using AI to extend the capabilities and optionalities of the platform rather than an AI, quote unquote, native platform taking down Roblox as the premier platform. Now, I might be wrong. It, this is just what I think. Because I think about these technologies, if you're a smart company with great leadership, which some of these companies have, I think it's very natural to assume that they will find a way to embrace these technologies in a meaningful way for the platform because the core of the platform is not easy to duplicate and AI is not going to change that. You still need a great developer ecosystem that builds application. AI is not going to do everything for everyone by, them, by itself. So you need that core foundational platform with great developer community. You have the brand awareness of a platform. As you can see, it doesn't really change that easily. It takes hundreds of millions and a long time to change the perception of a brand platform. So all of that is to say, I'm very excited to see what completely new platforms are going to do. In the near term, I'm more bullish on building innovation on top of existing platform, which is what Philper Social is focused on. But I don't want to rule out that there could be a completely new entrance that come in and swipe the market share from under the feet of these gigantic companies like Fortnite slash Epic and Roblox and Minecraft. Um, I think we're just going to have to wait and see. And I know both of us are incredibly passionate about the category. And so before we wrap up, John, what's the what's the thing you're most excited about for the next 12 months? So, you know, we didn't really talk about what I'm doing in my in my day job so far, and we could save that for a future episode. But what I'm really excited about actually is launching a couple of experiences in some of the platforms that we talked about. And obviously one of those experiences is with Super Social. So, you know, why am I excited about it and why with Super Social? Well, you know, for the really the last six years, I've been um, doing some minor first party development, but most of my development, whether it's with uh, like animated TV shows or or kids mobile games, or now some what I call you know practical metaverse experiences, is with what we call third party developers. You know, from the perspective of the big company, and um, I think what's interesting about that is you get to work with a lot of developers, you get to learn a lot faster than just doing it by yourself and trying to build your own internal team. And and furthermore, I think, you know, there are just so many uh, game developers out there, especially on the mobile space. And with the monetization kind of drying up and there's lots of churn there, you'd imagine why, you know, why don't more of them just come make Roblox games, right? And I think some of them try, some of them could try, but it's it's more difficult than what, what meets the eyes, right? And the reason why I like working with, let's say, Super Social, not to just plug you guys, not not because I'm just on your podcast, is because it's not just about getting there early. I think it's about um, the philosophy, the approach, how you work with the platforms, right? You have your own relationship with the platforms. All that stuff, I think, ultimately, it's just like like using AI analogy, it's just like a weight in the generative AI formula. And then the output is... Uh, a great at the end of the day, you need a great experience for players. That's what it all boils down to. Everything we're talking about, is just like business strategy, doesn't really. I mean, it kind of matters if you're like a Microsoft or Amazon big company. But at the end of the day, I feel like what I'm excited about in the next 12 months is that the overlap, as you said, between uh, uh, you know 
metaverse, generative AI, uh, uh, Web3, the, the people on the ground, the developers who are not just frankly spouting theories, theories are important, but they're actually trying to innovate and do things in those platforms, high quality bar plus innovation. That's really exciting. If we're making a mobile game today, it, the playbook is standard. You just need a lot of capital, but you don't need a lot of capital to do things in these spaces. And I'm really excited to just be a student and learn what is already like, just be part of things and seeing the new things come out. I mean, things are coming out every day and it's hard to keep up with all the new uh, games and experiences coming out on, on these platforms. That's what I'm excited about. Great place to finish and wrap up the conversation. John, thanks so much for being with me. I'm sure we're going to talk more in the future. Sounds good. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Into the Metaverse. We hope you learned a lot and explored new aspects of the metaverse. 